0: Anything but bass, um,
1: oh, I played in the ukulele, um, in, in the early days and in the fingers. In the fingers, we did do um, some silly things before we became a, a so called psychedelic band. We did impersonations of Nina and Frederick, um, and uh, the Beverly sisters, wigs, and things like that. Okay, and um, our singer Rick Daddy Lindbergh used to dress up as a guy called uh, Nigel Nigel. Grog, and we called him the, the hardest working man in business, Nigel Grog, and he'd come on with a cap and a, <laughs> a stained raincoat and sing when I'm cleaning windows. Um, so you know we've we, we've done a bit of that. You lived that, a bit, haven't you? Yeah, and I remember actually, you know, this is uh, something that I shouldn't have done, and I wouldn't wouldn't get away with it nowadays. I used to I used to do they are coming to take me away by Napoleon the Fourteenth. Are you yeah. familiar with that? Yeah. It's definitely not for the woke brigade. You no, know, no. It's no.
0: somebody who's bonkers. I know the... Um...
1: But I um, I used to actually uh, wear a, uh, a teacher's gown and a top hat at one time when I was doing that. And um, I used to throw branches and twigs around, you know, just because... Because that's, that's what you do, yeah. Yeah. And one of these branches, unfortunately, he had a big burly rig- rugby player. And... Uh, I was actually behind two Goliaths, uh, big bass cabinets <laughs> that were lying down, stacked. Yeah. And he came up to Rick and he said, where's, where's that bloody bass player? I need to have a word with him. And Rick said, oh, what a shame. He said, he, he's gone home. And I thought, it's me quivering in the back, you know, <laughs> not being a very brave bloke. We, oh, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, we've done, we've done some daft stuff as well. But then, why not? Well, right? you have to do, you have to learn your craft. This is, this
0: is something that you learn in a classroom, <clears throat> It's something that you live and you learn for, for everything you've said on stage, a career of the years that you've done it, put it this way, the amount of years that you've done it, for every, every good thing that you've said on stage, you've probably or somebody around you has said completely the wrong thing and blown the whole night, ruined the whole thing. Because it certainly happened to me where you think in the moment you make a comment. I remember being up north and um, we were handing out T-shirts of promotional stuff and all I said was, I know how you know like a freebie. And I ruined the whole night. And I remember the next day, I just all day I'm sitting there thinking, "Why did I say it?" But I was just messing about. But it just it can kill the whole night. Can you think of any of those where you've you don't have to name names, John? Uh,
1: well, but. I can remember playing in a place that I won't name uh, with the management, uh, and this place had some squaddies there or ex squaddies ex squaddies And uh, Billy B made a remark. Uh, in joke, I can't even think what it was, and he's always joking. Yeah, always joking. Um, um, and this squad he took offence, and it could have been a bit dangerous. Yeah, because he was three sheets to the wind, or what, how many mm-hmm. sheets it's supposed to be? I can't remember now. <laughs> quite, I think it's about three. Yeah, and um, and he was beginning to get quite angry, and, and Billy B just took. The, Although the heat out of it, it can be very diplomatic as yeah. well. You know. um, and you know sometimes you get that kind of problem. On the other hand, you know <laughs> with Jess, Jess corner I can remember standing in a massive, great urinal on one of these northern clubs, and this bloke came and right, right next to him. That's not the kind. Of, that's the kind of thing you avoid, isn't no, it? Yeah. He said, "Not a bad band lad." He said, "Shame about the puff in the white suit." <laughs> 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 and of course what he didn't realise was that the reason we'd been booked was because of Jess Conrad, who who was quite well known. He'd written he'd been in various shows and he'd done some rec- recording, which the only other person in the band that done it was uh Rhett by himself and also with with Bernie Martin in in the new notes. But um I mean people do sometimes like strange people. On the other hand, you get this Strange situation sometimes where there used to be uncool to like Abba or mm. the Carpenters, yeah. And I always thought, why is that? Yeah, they're outstanding. Yeah, you know, and Abba, you know, if you listen to their stuff, it's um, it's quite complicated. The harmonies are great. Oh, the production's great. Yeah. The yeah. girls sing. Magnificently, yeah. they've got wonderful session musicians brilliant. on there. It's brilliant stuff. And you listen to the Carpenters, I mean, it's oh, yeah. so sad she had the voice of an angel. Yeah, I've, I've always
0: said one singer on one night to sing me one song, yeah. Karen Carpenter. Well, just just
1: like. fantastic, and also a very good drummer. Have you seen her play Yeah, oh, Yeah, oh yeah. 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 Jazz drummer, you know, really know what she well,
0: doing. this is where society has changed in as much as we get told that we need to like something. Yeah. You get told that something is a trend. I mean, my daughter is 14.
1: Does she like rap music? No, she
0: doesn't like that. (laughs) I draw the line at that. But um, um, she was playing something in the car the other day, and she kind of likes a lot of the sort of late 90s stuff. And her friends call her pre 2010 Jen because she doesn't like anything sort of half. But she was surrounded by music. And I remember saying to her just a few months ago never let anybody tell you what you should listen to. No. Never, you, you make, because never mind Britpop, never mind grunge, never mind rock and roll, soul, northern soul, um, reggae, it's good or it's bad, and yeah. that's depending on you. Yeah, that's right. So don't ever feel like, you know, oh, I might listen to this so I need to, because music isn't smoking, you don't have to smoke like, because your mates do.
1: No, no. You
0: can listen to anything you want to listen to, because from that you'll learn stuff. And I said to somebody recently about writing songs, I'll get to your songwriting process in a minute, is it's kind of like having a, having a baby almost. Like two or three people get together or you create something, but you have to let it breathe on its own yeah. and make its own mistakes. You don't just write it and go, right, that's done now. That's perfect. Yeah. My kids ain't perfect for a start. So your songwriting process, I want to get back to, to that. Well, Paul, Paul
1: McCartney said about um, yesterday that he had this tune, which mm. he really liked, and he, he wasn't certain whether anybody else had done it. And he, yeah. asked other people. he dreamed it, didn't he? Yeah. and they Scrambled said, No, eggs. no, no we, don't, we don't know that song. And uh, he called it Scrambled Eggs. Scrambled eggs. Because he had yeah. no words. And yeah. all the while he was thinking, well, what, what words would go nicely in this song? Mm. And, and then, of course, George Martin said, well, let's do it with the string quartet. Mm. And he must have thought, why on earth do you want to do that? But, of course, he was right. Oh, it's wonderful. sounded fabulous. Well,
0: it's the the biggest, most recorded single in the history of music.
1: And going back to um, uh, people who've knocked fantastic people, Ringo Starr, a lot of people have said, oh, he's not a very good drummer, you know, and and somebody, John Lennon was supposed to have said... He's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. That's right, yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. if you listen to the Beatles stuff, yeah, he does exactly what's right at exactly the right time. He's so unique as well. And sometimes he does things that you don't expect. He does, yeah, yeah. You know, which uh, and you know, for my money, I think he's brilliant. And, and Paul McCartney and him was just fabulous together. Yeah. back to the old rhythm section thing. Yeah, Paul McCartney's quite inventive, isn't he? You know? Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. And by and large, I mean, he's done. He's had periods where he's done. Um, some very sugary things like love songs, you know, those mm. silly love songs, and th- you think, well, that's not really what you're good at. No, for, that's you know. not what you do. But it, it, by and large, um, he, he's done some wonderful stuff, and he and uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber are the two richest musicians in the world. They go up and down together. Well, it's no
0: coincidence, really, yeah. is it? I mean, but Ringo,
1: was um, was he a left-handed drummer on a
0: right-handed kit? I think he Which was, Which is yes. why he would play the toms the other way around. Yes. So drummers would frown upon it and say, it shouldn't be done like that. But well, he our, said,
1: our first drummer, Jerry, said he thinks that's one of the reasons why he was good, because he was slightly different. Yeah, he had to
0: sort of make space to bring the other arm yeah. across and things right. like that.
1: But also there, was a, there are some left-handed drummers that play with both arms out straight. Mm. And you think, well, that looks really weird. You can yeah. understand them crossing them over around the other way. Sorry, yeah, just that's, all right. that's all right. And um, apparently Steve Gadd plays like that. Okay. And it was good enough for Steve Gadd, it's good enough for well, me. Well, it, yeah. it only really matters
0: that it's tight yeah it's like darts players every single one of them throws differently but yeah. as long as it lands in the right place yes so i mean if you listen to the drums on get back for instance he's watertight on that kick drum yes. watertight yeah. um which is what it, it knits it all together so yeah people who knock ringo there's there's a little thing on youtube where the famous drummers in the world you've got dave Grohl from nirvana and all these people and they, they're sat behind the old ludwig kit yeah. and they get to play on it and they're all talking about why, why Ringo is such a big influence. So, if he's influenced that many legends, yeah. he was and doing the same
1: right. And the other thing is, some people say, Oh, the shadows, I don't like that. Oh, no. And they say, Well, hang on a minute, how can you say you don't like the shadows? They were going for 60 years, they've sold millions and millions mm. of records. Yeah. They do a lot of stuff like Sleepwalk, A Wonderful Land, which is lovely, beautiful oh, melodies. I think Melvin is an astounding, outstanding guitarist. Definitely. He's And really never good. changed his sound. Uh, Settled on something, and it sold. And that was well, he, he 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 does do different sounds. You mm. know, I've, I've heard him do sort of Albert Lee solos. Oh yeah, I've of heard course. him do jazz. I've heard him do, mm. and uh, and of course, he, uh, for again, you see, they had that band Marvin Welsh and Farrar. Bruce Welsh, him and Johnny Farrar. Yeah, beautiful harmonies, really outstanding records. Mm. And and he said that they used to go to a place, and people would say, "Well, can't you play FBI? And he said. I'm fed up with playing Apache patchy and FBI. I want to do something different. Um, but uh, and and if you look at Hank Marvin, you know there are some people that say, oh, "I don't want the Shallows But if you if you talk to people like Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton yeah. and Pete Townsend and yeah. Neil Young, some of whom were on a, uh, an album called um, Twang, which has covers of, of, of stuff, they all say, "Well, without Hank." I wouldn't have been I playing. agree. I wouldn't
0: have picked up guitar if it had been for Hank. And I came along sort of 25 years yeah. after the Shadow, or 20 years after yeah. the Shadows. And to this day, it's still a guilty pleasure of mine to put the 20 Golden Greats on. Great stuff. And play along with it. And well, my favourite, Wonderful Land, is my f- yeah. yeah. favourite. I've heard it without the strings, though. Yes, yeah, so I've yeah. And it was like an afterthought, we put strings yeah. on that. Yeah. It's really strange to hear it without that, isn't it?
1: Well, uh, um, a guy that I knew, uh, his dad, Uh, was a promotional salesman for EMI, and so we used to hear the Shadows records before they came out. The Phantoms used to learn them before they came out. And when we heard Wonderful Land, we were really disappointed Mm. because it got strings on. But actually listening to it now, it works. I love it. Um, And um, if if you listen to the Shadows' very first album, when they were all very, very young, Yeah. There's stuff like Blue Star in there with really nice chords, you know, d- difficult stuff, jazzy Nivram and things like that. Lovely bass. Niv-ram, solo, yeah. Just wonderful. I, um, uh, I think my two favourite bands, uh, I might have said this uh, to you, uh, Prokhoram and The Shadows. Mm. And someone said to me, How can you like two yeah. bands that are totally different? I said, Because they are totally That's different. That's the point. And that it. goes back to what you were saying about yeah. different music at the right time, you know.
0: Yeah, I think as musicians, people who are not musicians, don't understand that the more you listen to, the more influences you take, yeah. and the better musician you become because of it. Mm. So even if Jennifer plays me something and I think it's pap, I still listen to it and I think <coughs> the drums are interesting. You know, the, the little fills here, the backing vocals. There's a lot of the stuff that she plays, like Blink 182 and all of that early punk stuff. Mm. It's the music's all been done before, but I like the fact that some of the harmonies could almost be the Beach Boys. Some yeah. of the guitars could almost be T Rex or, or Bowie. Um, as a matter of fact, I want to mention Bowie. You you worked with him when he was Davy Jones, is that right? Or you, yeah, you knew no, of him? Or
1: we only supported him. You supported him. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that was, counts. I've it, got. I think it was at the Marquee. It was Davy Jones in the lower third. Yeah, Davy Jones. And he was just, I didn't didn't really notice him. It was before he really got into being a really good showman. You yeah. Know? And of course, he had the knack of inventing different images for himself mm. over and over again. Um, Somebody local who was very good at that was Paul Shuttleworth, of course. Yes, yeah. Um, and he was great as Flash Harry in Curzel Flyers. Curls of Flyers. Magic. And he a and very, very good showman. Yeah. Really, very I'm trying good.
0: to get Paul. I, I want to talk to him about oh, it. Curls he's of good Flyers. Good guy.
1: Good guy. And, um, you know. Um, uh, Vic told me a good story about when they were recording um, Little Does She Know. That's the big hit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and it was a country song when they wrote it. And Mike Batts said, well, no, I see this as a Phil Spector thing. And they were not really quite convinced. And then they started doing it and they thought, well, yeah, this is going to be nice. And in the break that they had for lunch, Paul drew um, a kitchen sink and gave it to Mike Bat. And he said, "What's this?" He said, "I want you to put everything in it, apart from this." <laughs> <laughs> Great. But um, I mean, the of Flyers—they were a good, good South End band. Did I you think.
0: work with the Coasters Flyers much? Did you?
1: Um, the, I think the only time I worked on the same bill as them was when we did a, a Fingers reunion uh, in 1996. I think something like that. Um, a a number—they were a good band. I mean, their stuff really. They had the. Um, the humour of the coasters yep. uh, and the rock of rock and roll if you like uh, um, and, uh, they, they were good you know, I enjoyed them mm. and of course uh, every now and then you can turn top of the pops on and still see Vic and I say to him why were you standing on one leg <laughs> don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> sometimes fear does that maybe being on TV
1: did you ever play the Curzel yes you did play it what was it like um, I think the only time I played in there was a, a talent show with the Phantoms. Okay. And we didn't win. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> that was in 1964. Right. But I might have played there other times, actually. I've played most places in South Southend, um, and, and lots of places. Uh, one place, I remember, this this is a bit of humour, I hope, we were playing with the fingers, and there's a woman there called Mary Payne. She might have, been, might have had a maiden name then. She had this thing called the Knees Club. Okay. And she'd get people to sign up to be members of the Knees Club, and you had to show your knees and then sign up, register so you remember the knees club and um uh, there are people like david bowie who was a member of the knees club of we're a good company but she runs um a website about radio london now you know so
0: it was great you played the cliffs as well because yeah we
1: played the cliffs with the fingers a lot Mm -hmm. um and um we they used to have a big name like the move or um The Fortunes or The Zombies or something like that, you know. And um, they'd have us as the kind of middle-ranking band and another band as well. And we did did that probably every week for a couple of years. Um, And uh, it was the the biggest venue that I played in at the time. And, of course, it's been extended even now. you know. But we saw some fabulous bands there. Um, Probably my favourite out of the ones that we played with there was The Move, because they were just so energetic you mm. know you know if you think punk was aggressive the move did it before punk you know. yeah it was really yeah. great and harmony's great and of course you've got um roy wood there roy who's Nick. an exceptionally talented person i mean yeah. whoever thought that roy wood and jeff lynn were going to live in a band for very long was yeah. wrong you know but the, you couldn't get two people that were so dynamic yeah. and so wonderful they're going to think different things yeah jeff, jeff lynn what, what fantastic well jeff lynn yeah it's got, fabulous. Got, well, well. do you know he's recorded all the ELO albums digitally because he wasn't happy with the originals? Has he really? Wow! Yeah, just a perfectionist. Where we um, we were on the same bill as the Idle Race when when he was in the Idle Race. But um, yeah, you know, I I made a list of all the well-known people that I've been on the same bill with, and it's just astounding. It and reads I, like I, a
0: who's who. As a matter of fact, the who are on there.
1: I I, I consider myself really really fortunate to have played with all those people. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not in the same band, but sport, although we no, did but back you still Billy Fury in legend.
0: You, yeah, you did, but Billy Fury was one. Um, I've got a list of them here. I said there'd be a bit of paper rustling, but this is because this is probably the longest uh, sheet that we have here. Um, yeah, I've been lucky in as much as over the years I've worked with people like Jerry Marsden and people like that just yeah. on the same bill at festivals. It's, it's yeah. great because I always say to Jennifer... He's still Jerry Marsden, you know. He might be a bit older now, but yeah. it's still him. He still did that. Yeah. It's still, um, so let's go through a few here. Bert Weedon. When did you work with Bert?
1: That was um the legend. Um, we did a couple of rock and roll festivals at the uh, Roundhouse in Chalk Farm. Wow! And um, um, they had people on there like Bert Weedon, uh, Bert Weedon, Joe Brown. Screaming Lord Search, Roy Young, Emperor Roscoe, Cuddly Dudley. Um, <laughs> lots of very well-known people. And um, I remember Bert Whedon talking to the League of of the Wild Angels, a good rock and roll band at the time. And he said, excuse me, he said, um, can I give you some advice? And there was this great big huge Ted, looked a bit rough. Um, said, oh, well, certainly Bert, you know, what, what do you think I should do? And he said, well, if you set up your controls like this, you'll get a really nice clear sound. And of course, that wasn't what he was after, really. He wanted <laughs> something a bit gutsy. And I, went, I thought, what's he going to say? And he said, "Thank you very much, Bert. That's really kind of it." You see, because I mean, you've got to bear in mind that these people like Bert Weedon and Ritz Dollar and mm. people like that, Hank Marvin, were heroes before, of course, the Beatles yeah. came along. You know, yeah, Bert Weedon um, was it? Guitar playing and a day, playing a day. Yeah you be taken to the trace descriptions, people. Now, I should they? think
0: so. Yeah, I should think so. Um, it must have been special for you to work with Cliff Bennett,
1: yeah, just as a yeah, shout out. That was so we, we, we supported him at the Cliffs, and um, it was an exceptionally good band, really, really good, lovely brass section, really nice, you know. And um, you know, I, 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 I've been privileged. To be on the same stage, not necessarily playing with them, yeah, with lots and lots of really good players, you know mm. Billy Fury was a nice guy, very nice guy, and because uh, we were asked to back him at the um country club in Hampstead. This was legend we had a rehearsal in some pub in London, don't okay. know, even know where it was upstairs, <laughs> and he bought us all cokes, I remember that. i don 't think he drank okay, and um <clears throat> a rather gentle kind of person, you know just a nice guy really, and um When we did the... uh, We had had to learn Halfway to Paradise and Never Be Another You and all his famous songs. And um, we played there, and actually, in between those songs, Mick was just not taking it seriously. He was playing Mm. Rock Island Line and things like that, and I thought it was disrespectful. Yeah. Um, We did support him, and we were asked to do a rock and roll tour with um, uh, Marty Wilde and uh, um, and Billy Fury and various other people, and uh, Mick turned that down. But again, see... We probably should have done it. Yeah. And also The Fingers. We did an audition for a Radio Caroline tour because we'd had some hits on the Radio Caroline hit parade, which was because um, we wrote the B-sides and they published the (laughs) (laughs) B-side. That's all right. It counts. But um, there was some good people there. Um, There was a band there called The Gods, and the guitarist was Mick Taylor. Oh, so, yeah. you know, yeah. good Rhyme guy. Stones, yeah. um, and then the, there was also a band called The Human Instinct from New Zealand who had uh, gooseneck mic things off, off the horns of their guitars, which is oh, okay. a funny thing to do. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> David Essex was there with a band called Mood Indigo. Yeah, I
0: was going to ask you, David Essex is another one you've worked and,
1: with. And um, the guys that were putting on the, they were going to put to a, a Caroline uh, package tour and they said, would you like to come and would you mind backing David Essex? And we said, we don't want to back David Essex. <laughs> we think our singer's a better... He is a better singer. Rick well, Mills is yeah, a better yeah, from, singer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Sorry, David. I can't, yeah. I can't knock David. He's a lovely showman. The yeah. girls liked him because he was so handsome. Yeah. Uh, and he's got that twinkle, you know, so he's got a certain something. But uh, he, he wasn't my... No, no, really. fair enough. And, um, and we said we wouldn't do that. Um, and another time... Uh, in the fingers, we were playing in uh, a carnival uh, show somewhere, Stoke by Nayland, to remember now. And a guy came up to us and he said that he was the animals agent and he wanted us to meet Mickey Most. So he said, "Why would Mickey Most want to meet us?" And he said, "Because I think you should you should come and be recorded by him because mm. I think you'd, you'd do well." Yeah. And I thought, "Oh, this is never going to happen." Anyway, the next morning he phoned me up and he said, "I'm going to come and see you." Um, And he just turned up at this pub in Edgeware Road, the Sparrowhawk. And he stood leaning up against a pillar. And he went off to about 12 numbers and I thought, oh, he didn't like us. He phoned me up again. And he said, "Uh, right, he said, "Uh, uh, this is the way I work. He said, I'll manage you. I'll tell you what songs to sing. I'll tell you what to wear. I'll tell you where to play. I'll tell you exactly what to do. I'll make you stars. And I, I, I almost thought, well, oh, it's rubbish. And I thought, well, actually, he's done it for some other yeah, people anyway. Yeah. Um, and um, we thought about that and we thought, oh, we've got a manager already. We can't let him down. Well, What a load of idiots we were. Mm. We should have said to our local manager, look, this is a very good opportunity. Let's see if they'll pay you off a bit. Or do you mind just letting us go because yeah. we should do this. And the other opportunity we turned down, which was a good choice, we turned down managed by jonathan king because he fell from grace didn't he so yes of course yeah and of course he he, he uh he recorded the curls of flyers didn't he but then they went with mike Bat, which was better really yeah he wrote the wombles theme mike back
0: didn't he yeah See, although everybody always thinks, oh, but people forget, it's say, oh, the Wombles, but he was a, a great producer and a great yeah. songwriter. Yeah. and well, he, um, he arranged... A Winter's the... Tale We wrote as well, that was him. That's for, right, and yeah, he actually Tim um, Rice.
1: wrote all the strings arrangements for Little Deshino as well. Yeah, so a great producer, great, but people say, like, I might back, yeah, the Wombles theme. <laughs> uh, another person who does uh, good things that people don't is, is Gary uh, Brooker. Hmm. He can write various good string arrangements, and... Uh, Apparently when they did the live in Edmonton show, he was refining the string arrangement on the plane on the way over there, my and of course the, the orchestra were not really very interested in playing with the rock band and, but of course it 's happened a lot now i 've seen Prokochorum lots of times by themselves with different lineups and also with rock band with uh, orchestras and choirs and it 's just fabulous it 's a mm. wonderful mix you know I said to my wife, we were at um, the place where the Halle Orchestra play, name of which I can't remember at the moment, in Manchester. OK. And I said to her, I wonder what the mix is going to be like. She, said, First of all, she said, well, what's a mix? So I explained it to yeah. her. And then, of course, you've got this rock band with an orchestra and you think, something's going to go wrong. Yeah. But it didn't. It was just absolutely magic. You know when you listen to something and the hair's on the back of your neck. Totally, yeah. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's when you get a good rock band or a good rock and roll band, they have the big string section. It's like there's an album by The Who from 1989 and they're doing Won't Get Fooled Again but they've got like a massive horn section at the back that yeah. all hit the big the yeah. big A, you know. And it just just does something to you. Yeah, right. It's like the strings on Nowhere Man. Have you ever listened... Uh, not Nowhere Man, Eleanor Rigby. Oh, yes. Have you ever yes. listened to the string section on its own without the vocal? Yeah.
1: Uh, no, I haven't. It's no. a
0: masterpiece.
1: Well, when we were in Legend, um, the second album we did, Moonshine, we allegedly produced it, but really it was the engineer that produced it. <laughs> We just played. And um, <clears throat> uh, there was a song on there which we wanted um, some strings on. And uh, David Knights, who was our manager, who was the bass player of Harlem, um who was on their first three albums. Nice guy, real gentleman. Uh, when he left them, he, he, he decided to manage a few people. We were one of them. And he got uh, Matthew Fisher, um, who played the organ lovely organ piece on Proko Hong right. a very good musician to do to, to, to some string arrangements and we'd left a space um, where we wanted the, the main solo to be and they played various other things when they got to that 12 musicians from the London Symphony Orchestra we thought this is just out of this world fantastic mm. um, and uh, it got to the end of the, the song and the engineer um, turned on the mic and he said to the guys he said we're going to just have to take that again so they said, OK, fair enough. He clicked it off, and I said, sounded great to me. He said, it was great. He said, but I want 24 violins on here, not 12. Ah. And he said, if I tell them, they'll want more money. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great... Yeah, that's quite, I suppose there's a lot of that that goes
0: on <laughs> when, you're, when you're dealing with budgets and stuff like that. Your list is endless.
1: Slade, Santana, Taste, um, Rory Gallagher. Yeah. Um, the, the Slade thing, funny enough, although we were on the same television show as them, we didn't actually play with them. It was all put together afterwards. So there was Slade and Santana, um, and that night we were playing Harlow or somewhere, and we knew we were going to be on the television. This was a legend, and a thing called Disco Two. Mm. Don't know why they called it that because it didn't have disco music on it. <laughs> and um, uh, and there we were, uh, allegedly being there with Santana and Slade, but. No, but you're on the same bill. If you're you're advertised, you're advertised. So we did actually see ourselves on television. But I tried to get um, some tapes from the uh, BBC because we did a lot of radio work in Legend for the Mm. BBC. And I said, is this possible? They said, yes, you've got to sign in blood to say it's only for personal use. Okay. Um, And they said, this is how much it will cost. And it was quite modest. So I said, fine. And then two weeks later, they said, We're ever so sorry, but only recently thousands of tapes have been destroyed because of storage space problem. Of course, nowadays that wouldn't happen because digital stuff doesn't take up much room, does it? No, of
0: course not. But back then it's all reels and reels, I guess. Um, There was a a couple of recordings from a show you did, was it in Germany, that surfaced years later on a compilation um, album or something? Yeah,
1: that was the beat, Beat Beat Show. Yeah. And um, I remember the, the tremolo said, um, can we borrow your guitars? Because we can't be bothered to take our guitars out of cases. <laughs> Tremolos were very good. yeah, Very good. Lovely harmonies. Uh, and good guitarists as well, Rick West. Um, and um, Mo reminded me about this. So I'd forgotten. They, they, it was being recorded in a big, I think it was Frankfurt Town Hall. And the audience wasn't that enthusiastic. They sacked the audience and got another audience in <laughs> right. and told them to be enthusiastic. <laughs> um So that was that was quite. But to see that, you know, I was nineteen then. You know, I mean, and I, it, I only found it ten or twelve years ago, maybe mm. something like that.
0: When you've moved in those circles for that many years, though, and released so many albums and done so many TV programmes, or this stuff does suddenly rear its ugly head, sort of.
1: Well, years later. I mean, TV. We've, I've only done two two television programmes. That was Beat Beat Beat, and. Um, and uh, the uh, Disco 2 thing that we just talked about. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, that, I mean, we, I was surprised when they started to re-release things like Wade in the Shade. and uh, and uh, Also, they re-released um, a thing called I Go Sleeping on a compilation album, which was supposed to be a 1971 progressive music, and it was mm. legend. And I thought, do they know what progressive music is? Because yeah. we were not progressive in any way, shape or form. We were really retro even then. You know, uh, and in fact, that's why some people said they didn't like it. One of the best descriptions of a band I've ever been in was um, in the Record Mirror, and it was about the Fingers. And there was a little headline which said, "The Fingers are about as psychedelic as Ken Dodd." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I love that. But um, playing into management is is a dream for me. It's great because you've got five guys that really get on well. Yeah. There's a lot of banter, a lot of mickey-taking. And, um, you know, I've been in bands where people have um, been sarcastic and and it's been a bit more meant, you know. In this band, you know, you've got light humour, banter, and... um, Musicians always take the piss out there is, yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Am I allowed to say that on your show? Y- you can say it. <laughs> on I'll let you. <laughs> you can, but we do. You <laughs> can bleep it out. We can, yeah.
0: Um, that, that is a big part of it because you spend that many hours with somebody
1: yeah.
0: travelling around or... I mean, I know it's changed these days. You probably all arrive at the venue, but yeah. going back 25 years or 30 years, you're all in the van. So that chemistry between the four of you or the five of you is as important as the chemistry musically. That's what kind of knits it together. Absolutely. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? The better you know each other and the more you Because we're going back from when from when you started, I mean without being, you know, it's not like there was a war on, John, but it was a fair few years ago. So no technology, no iPhone iPhones or anything. No. These days, you know, <clears throat> me and the lads we get in the van, hello, how you been, headphones on, and then arrive in Manchester. Yeah. But back then, maybe a couple of books on the radio. So you're talking, you're chatting, you, you, you're always talking about stuff. And then that builds a closeness and a chemistry. you know. I remember
1: coming back from our division one night. Um, we we drank quite a lot of, uh, at the time. Um, Surely not. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, <laughs> and um, David Nyash used to bring uh, bottles of teachers in and Coke cans. And uh, we used to um, drink a little bit of the Coke put some whiskey in the can and of course towards the end of the evening you were drinking more whiskey than coke <laughs> and um, I'm surprised the album is as good as it as it sounds um, and I remember one night we went from Ad, uh, Advision, I'm ashamed to say that we gained a stopwatch from Advision, Ad, 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 Advision, Advision, it's too much whiskey <laughs> That's and right. um, we, we were going along and, and I said to the others, I wonder how long it would take to go 10 seconds, <laughs> Oh, it's ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to in the in, uh, in legend. We used to sing. Um, what do you want those? Want to make those eyes at me for? You know, Ooh, uh, yeah. Do, be, do, be, do, and then we. To, and there's a bit where the drums go. Little rim shot. And we used to hit the, hit the band. So stupid things like that. As you say, you know, it's a laugh. You know. But in, in, it, we got that kind of humour going in, mm. in, in the management. And uh, um, Bob and uh, Billy B are both really good front men. They know yeah. what they do. Yeah, that's, that's that's and um and also they've taken to um taking the mic out of each other. It's a mm. bit like Morecambe and Wise on stage with the management, you know. Yeah. Just um but people like it. You know? It's important. Uh, our drummer said to me uh, a little while ago, you know, we touched on it a bit. Everybody says on their band page, we're a fantastic band. Mm. You wouldn't say anything else, would you? Um and everybody says, Yeah, we're great, you know, and, and sometimes it's true, sometimes it isn't. I think it is a fantastic yeah. band. But the thing is um you can go and see a fantastic band and not enjoy it. Totally, yeah. Um I, I went to see um a f- good friend of mine, Alex Field, who's a very, very good guitarist. He does jazzy things mainly, standards. Yes, I know Alex. Great guy. Yeah. Really nice bloke. And um he he was doing a Jeff Beck tribute band and they were doing uh, stuff that he played at Ronnie Scott's and it was difficult, technical, yeah. unusual. Um and um we we said to a friend of ours who was there, um, did you like that? And he, he likes rock and roll really. Yeah. And and he said, well, he said um, it was very clever. He said, but I wouldn't buy the album. Mm. Um, and you, you think about that. You know, you got this whole a whole thing. Um, if you clear the floor and then you play. Baby, come back, or Wooly Bully, on the floor. You're done. You yeah. Know? So. Um, <laughs> You've got to do crowd pleasers as well as stuff that you like.
0: Well, it's about the crowd, isn't it? Yeah. Because I know it's an old cliche, but if they don't come in and they don't vote with their feet in as much as they dance, if they don't buy tickets to see you, it doesn't matter what you do. You can stay true to yourself, but you've still got to give them what they want at the end of the day.
1: When we went to see that Jeff Beck thing, Alan Clark was the drummer, um, local drummer, very, very good drummer. He's played with loads of people, Roy Castle and all sorts of people. Mm. Really good drummer, nice guy. He stood up in the break and he said, Just like to thank everybody that's come. He said, Lots of friends here. He said, There's Trevor Morgan there. He says, There's John Bobin. He said, I used to go and watch him when I was 15. He said, (laughs) He must be 85 by now. You see, that's that's a musician's sense of humour, isn't it? It is.
0: And people, it's not just on stage, though, is it? It's off stage, it's in rehearsals, it's when you arrive, Are you turned up then, you know, it's that kind of thing. I think it's like building site humour, you know. Yeah, it it is a bit. It's a bit like Uh,
1: that. uh, When we we had Lefty in the band uh, one night, when we were uh, finishing our rehearsal, he said to Vic, don't forget the gig on Saturday, and Vic said, what gig? (laughs) And he said playing Saturday, Vic said, Are we? Lefty said, Yeah, 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 of course we are and he got a bit kept, he said, it's in your diary, isn't it? And he said Vic said, and by this time he knew he was winding it. Yeah. He said, Probably probably it might be in my diary, he said <laughs> And then of course forever after at the end of the rehearsal he'd say What gig? What gig are we playing? <laughs> but yeah it's great. It's, so Vic's it's, a lovely guy. You should get him on.
0: I wanna get Vic, I wanna get Paul Shuttleworth yeah. um Steve I thought, Oliver I was... as well. Yeah, I've got a list of people I want to try and get.
1: Steve, we used Steve for a little while because um, unfortunately we've had uh, people in the band who have died or their wives have gone. Mm. And um, we we used Steve in the band and um, we had a practice with Steve, one practice. Um, He he likes country stuff really, country rock and good country stuff. And he's a lovely guitarist, really nice guy. And um, he'd done a bit of work. He looked at our set list and I said to him, well how old are you and he told us how old he was and I said well that's why you know all these numbers isn't it and he said well, look he said I came up in that school you know um, and, I, and it's so lovely to work with people that you just feel comfortable with mm. you know it really is nice it makes it a lot easier and in a band like that the
0: management everyone's coming in everybody does their job everybody knows their parts everybody yeah. knows what they've got to do all you've really got to do is get together get that chemistry <coughs> to play together you well, know well
1: that um, and it's that's the way we do our rehearsals we say these are the nums we're going to do. Mm. This is the version that we're going to base our version on because we might change it, we might yeah, not. But course. that's where we're going to start from. Um, and people actually do it at home, mm. and then they come to the rehearsal and they know it already. I've been in other bands where yeah. people have said, um, "What are the chords for this song?"
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And they've known what we've been learning. You know, it's one of the things somebody
0: asked me. I do a Q and A now and again, just as part of my podcast. It's all very showbiz, John. But somebody asked me about rehearsals, and I said, you have to remember that rehearsals, and you don't get paid for rehearsals. No. You're paying. So you need to use every single minute of that rehearsal. Yes. If you're playing, let's say you're working on four songs that night, you want to be playing those four songs for about two and a half hours of the three hours that you're in there. Mm. If you're spending half an hour going through it and writing the chords down, then yes. you haven't done your job at home no, that's right. to get there. and And you would have been in bands, certainly when you were younger, where it's just everything louder than everything else, and eventually come out there with one song. And I think the transitional phase we've experienced is that you think, if I can get the rehearsal at eight, get everything done by nine, and, we, and it sounds great, we can go home.
1: I don't but mind rehearsals, actually. No, no. Because it's still playing with musicians that you admire. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think these guys that I'm playing with, I'm lucky to be playing with them, because mm. they're bloody good. And, uh, you know... And if you can feel like that and enjoy what they're doing, um, and I mean, Paul will sometimes play something. I think, wow, how did he do that? You know, it's really, really good. It's yeah. great. It's a, it's a great and, thing uh, to do. And, and you know, the the harmonies um, in this particular lineup exceptionally good. Um, we had another guy in uh, the management before called Chris Stock. He was a good pro. He mm-hmm. um, he he'd always he'd always prepare things very very carefully. You know? mm. So, it is it's, it is the preparation.
0: It's not. I mean, sometimes when you get in it's, it's a bit organic in as much as you might suddenly do something on one night and someone will say, oh, we'll keep that in, we'll do yeah, that right. next time. <clears throat> but ultimately, the chords, the structures, yeah. you should all have it down before you get in. Yeah. That's your job, that's what you do. And it's it's a funny thing with music that I've, even at, at the level I've been at, the amount of people over the years that turn up to rehearsal, they're late, 10 minutes late, you're going to work. You're coming to work. Yeah. If you're on a Saturday night, why are you going on stage with... Two and a half bottles of beer in you. You're going to work. You wouldn't do it in a bank.
1: That's right. This is
0: your job. You know. Well,
1: Bob said to us, "What are we going to wear on stage in this lineup?" So we said, "What do you want to wear?" He said, "I want to wear suits hmm. because the early '60s bands wore suits, and we'll be a bit different to most bands that just wear a flowery shirt and a pair of trousers." Or yeah, that's like right. That. Or nothing you know don't mean nothing no, I mean, yeah but nothing yeah special you know? and, <laughs> there are um, some bands like so, that so we, so we got some we got some suits we've got some bright red ties and i said to him you can't wear bright red ties when you're playing a conservative club okay we'll buy blue ties as well mm. let's buy some banners you know big banners because i've said to people did you go to that band last night like, yeah what were they called i don't know because mm. nowadays d- people don't put it in the bass drums no. like they used to because people play in different bands and um so I said, well, you, didn't, you, didn't you ask? No. So well, I'd like to go and see them for that good. One guy one guy, uh, told a, a, a mutual friend, his brother, I went to see a brilliant band the other day, said, so they were bloody brilliant. He said, but they must have been in their early 60s. And that was us. I thought we'll, we'll settle for that. We'll take that, yeah. we're, we're slightly older than that. <laughs> Billy B always says, you know, it's, 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 it, it, we used to be a 60s band, but we're too old for that now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But you're never too old to rock and roll. No, like right. As long as you're still taking enjoyment from it, you're still loving what you do, you're still making a great noise, yeah. you know, entertaining people, they're coming to see you, yeah. and you're getting busier and busier. Bob was saying, you know, it's a, it, the gigs are starting to roll in. Yeah, certainly,
1: it's looking good. Yeah. Um, th- your comment about never too old to rock and roll. Juppy wrote a song called Never Too Old to Rock. Mm. And Chris East, a little while ago, 2008, and eight, nine, something like that, he said, "Let's um, let's dig out some old demo tapes that Juppie and I did when we wrote some songs together, he said, we've taken off the guitar, the bass and the drums, let's do new guitar, bass and drums, and then we might get Mick to come and do some new vocals, he wouldn't do it in the end, but right. so he went up to Millham, which is where Chris was living, uh, he's got a good recording studio there, and uh, they played us the songs and they said, right, first of all, we want to put the bass and drums on, now we had analogue tapes from a long time ago oh, yeah. with stuff taken off. Uh, they weren't recorded with the click track, so they probably weren't always in time. We had a click click, click to Patreon, We trying to pace bass and drums on what could possibly go wrong <laughs> 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 So <laughs> some of the tracks on that album sound pretty good, and some of them are not but I said to not right, but I've said to Mick, because he says he um he, he he quite likes recording um but he doesn't like playing live and I said to him, well, you know uh, why don't you just send some demos out? Nowadays, you can send them to a band mm. and they'll just put the backing on. Yeah, of course you can. And he did it? that with a band called The Refreshments, mm. um, a Swedish band. And, and it sounded really good, but he just likes to do things by himself at home. Now he does home recording. And uh, mm. it, it's OK, but it's not It's not like there's some of the stuff. I mean, he's had such wonderful producers. He's had uh, Godly and Cream. He's had uh, Dave Edmonds, Gabe Brooker. Tony Visconti, Mike Vernon, he said, top class producers mm. doing things. So some of, the, some of the earlier stuff he did it was really good and much better than he realises, I think. Mm. Really good.
0: I think, yeah, sometimes people always think they, they sort of look at their own work and they don't see it as positively as everybody else. No. They sort of look at it, yeah, I can do better than that. or I can do, And you think, no, you've got to accept it for what it is. Yeah. You know, we, we'd all like to go back and listen to something and be able to redo something from 30 years ago. Yeah. But it was 30 years ago. That's yeah, right. the technology. That's what you did, and you made the best of what you did at yeah. that time. So it's yeah. it's one of those things. So you keep him busy with the management. Um, tell me a little bit about John, the man, away from. You Don't have to get to. You know, I'm not. But but well, what but, do you like to do away from music? Because uh, music's I've, a great escape. But I love dogs. You Absolutely know dog.
1: love dogs. Um, I've had a lot of dogs. Um, um, we've had the maximum amount of dogs. We've had Pauline and I have. In three, three, um, and we. Uh, I I was very very heartbroken when a uh, uh, Patterdale Terrier that we'd had for twelve years died unexpectedly after an operation. He was twelve and a half. No, hang on. Yeah, we'd have him for eleven years, I think, and he was twelve and a half. And he was he was my companion. He from the minute he walked through the door, he was my dog, Monty. Mm. Loved him to bits. Uh, he died about a year ago, and people have said, why well, are you going to get another dog? And I said, I just can't, can't. I no. said, I know dogs don't, a new dog doesn't replace a dog because they've all got different personalities. Yeah. And we've just recently, um, Saturday, we got a tiny little dog called Boo Boo, and she was found at the uh, side of a busy main road in Corinth. She'd been chucked out. Goodness me. And uh, we had to go to Worthing to see her, and there was a young girl who had been looking after her. She's about 30, I suppose. And uh, she was absolutely heartbroken when she had to give him over. But she's funny. You know, dogs have, they have got a sense of humour. Oh, I'm yeah. so Do you like dogs?
0: I'm, I'm not, I've am not i never had one, but I've, I've always been around them. My mm. friends have always had them, and I understand it. I totally we also had another
1: them. Greek dog who was thrown in a dustbin. He'd had a um, oh. sandfly collar on, and he did a toxic reaction to it. My goodness. And we found out only after we'd had him for... 10 days or so that he got chronic kidney disease we spoke to greek animal rescue small organization mm. um, but they've helped thousands of dogs and they said well you don't have to keep him because he might be expensive to keep and we said well that's all the more reason for us to keep him mm. because if we need to spend money on him we will we yeah. will get rid of him um, so he he died as well, but uh, I used to like cycling uh, because of various health problems. I haven't done it for a long time. Mm. I'm not quite certain if I will again because the the traffic is just horrendous now, isn't it?
0: Well, it's, yeah, it's all it's all different. But you, yeah, I've th- written I've written five books. Five books, yes, you have, and I've got two of them, believe it or not, because I don't mess about. Why do not
1: you buy this. the other three then?
0: Well, I've got <laughs> no? round to <of> it. yet yeah? <laughs> <laughs> The two that um, that appeal to me the most were the two that I'm holding in my hand right now, Barks, David, Ronkers, and In the Autumn of My Madness. And the reason was that it's kind of based on touring around and gigging and the the venues that you played. In the Autumn of My Madness, it says it's um, a fictional offering, but I'd imagine there's a a fair amount of truth in that. It's just that you don't want to name names, John. Well,
1: um, a friend of mine actually um, did say, I think I know who the digits are, (laughs) and I think I know who... Fable are as well. Um, and, um, you know, obviously you, you meet various people. It mm. um, You remember various stories. And, and sometimes you think, I'm sure Fred wouldn't want me repeating this story. So you don't. It's not Fred.
0: So how do you suddenly decide that you're going to write something like that?
1: Well, uh, my first book, Bark and Ronkers, um, that was a phrase that we came up with when we were in legend. Um, we used to be coming home sometimes from Leeds or somewhere stupid like that. Not not stupid, I mean the stupid. No, distance. no, yeah, just the, the and, distance. Um, Sorry, Lee. And uh, you know, the birds would be singing and we'd be tired and grumpy, you know. And I said to Mick one day, we oh, must be Bark David Ronkers to do. <laughs> oh, I like that. He said, I like that And uh, so I called that Bark David Ronkers and that um that is uh, about it's based on the first twelve years of me playing bass. Mm. So um, so a lot of people have said, Oh, I did that. I had that amp, I had that experience, yeah. you know. Um, and the other one sort of carries on from there, mm. although it's allegedly fictional. Um, and you know, and there are lots of different experiences in there. I mean, one, for example, was when I was asked to join a jazz trio doing standards. Never done anything like that. I'd only played pop and rock and roll, shadow stuff mm. as well. And um, I said, but I don't know anything. Oh, you, you know all these numbers, that's OK. They're all well-known. Um, and the thing is, when you start to play, and you, you're younger than the other guys in the band, and they start to play that old Black Magic, for example. Yourself. Yeah, yeah I know this. And you think, what's the called, first chord called in the middle eight? And I said to this guy, Mike Claridge, what's the first chord in the middle eight? He said, I don't know what it's called, but it looks like this. Oh, that's Andy. Pointing at his <laughs> keyboard, you know. And um, so, um, So there are, you know, most of the stuff in there... Or experiences I've had, or in some cases that other people have had. Mm. You know, so. your
0: most recent one was uh, 2020. I'm back. Yes, that was that was uh,
1: about a, a man who um chooses to be artificially reincarnated, and he falls in love with a sexy robot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you still taking that medication?
1: <laughs> <want to> re- <laughs> well, I, yeah, no <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, you know. I... There are lots of jokes in there. Um, people that see the joke, I think it's funny. Um, and I, I've, I've written five books, all for charity. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I've, I've arranged a lot of charity gigs. In fact, the management uh, did a charity gig recently for uh, um, Cancer Research. Yes. And it was very successful. And um, we've been quite lucky. We've had some good press recently and a website mentions yep. and reviews for uh, um, under new management, the, the new disc
0: you're doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it to have fun. You're doing it to give pleasure to people. Yeah. You're getting a bit of beer money if you like, a few quid at the end of the night. And you're able to use your abilities to raise a few quid for good but a good cause. a
1: good mate of mine said about playing music um, semi-professionally, he said, "Look," he said, "You play music you like with a bunch of friends. You have a couple of pints and you get paid. Mm. Not very much because semi-pro don't get very much." Definitely. But he said, "Who cares? You've had a night, good night out." So, mm. And then raising money for charities is is a good thing. We've put a couple of musical projects on there as well. One I did with Billy B um, and uh, Chris Stock, it was called What a Kiss Will Do. And we raised about 1500 quid for East Anglian Children's Hospices just by saying to people, listen to this, and then stick some money in. Well, that's it. We've done something now with a thing called Cold Winter's Night, which Eric wrote. Not allowed to call him Eric, you could call him Billy B. Billy B, yeah, it's (laughs) not Eric. uh, we, we've said to them uh, on, on the link we put on, on the our bay page, <coughs> this is for Harp, the, the homeless charity, because you know? mm-hmm. it must be awful to be homeless, mm-hmm. particularly in the cold and at Christmas. You know? Yeah. Awful. Yeah, and we, we we're lucky
0: to have what we have. Let's yeah. put it that way. And you're doing the right things. A uh, couple of questions I always like to ask. Um, if you had one project that you've been involved in to play one show on one night, what would it be?
1: What, well, a project I've done already? Well, something
0: that... Yeah, because you can't join the shadows for the night. All right? <laughs> but something that you've done, if you had to say, OK, you, you can reform that band, say so everyone's OK, a parallel universe, if you like, everyone's still here. You can pick, you know, or you can have a lineup whatever you want to do, just for one night
1: to okay. play one show. Who well, would you Well, I leave have? the management out because leave we're the doing management. it now. Yes, OK. You know, uh, and, you know I, th- I think this is a fine band. I'm mm-hmm. very happy with it. Good. Um, the two bands... The standout most with the fingers and legend. <coughs> uh, we've done some good stuff with the fingers. We did a reunion gig with the fingers, <coughs> and Steve Catamore recorded it. Yeah, that came out very well. Um, sadly, Dave Grout, um, the room guitarist, died recently. Um, I wouldn't mind doing some stuff with Rick again because he was such a talented showman. You know, and I've worked with some good showmen like Billy B, mm. Bob um uh Ricky Mills Danny yeah. Lindberg on. So I like working with a good showman and um I think that's part of the whole act really uh Mick is talented without a doubt but he's never really cared about his audiences mm. uh, that's the truth and if he hears this I'm sorry Mick that is true everybody else says that it's not just me he probably admits it yeah he probably admits it yeah. um so and I, and if Mick said Let's do another legend gig and I promised to have a set list. I'd love it. Jump, jump at a chance. <laughs> OK, the other thing is songwriting. Um, are you lyrics first or tune first? Well, I haven't written a song. Oh, no, that's not quite true. I wrote a song fairly recently called um, I've Got Money. All right, OK. Which is on SoundCloud. Um, and the story of it, basically, is this guy's got money and he's not going to give it to his wife. OK. You got, I've got money and it's <laughs> all mine. <laughs> and uh, we, I think I'll get on all right with him. <laughs> we, we recorded that with a guy called Frank Dawkins, who's a very, very good guitarist. Um, he used to come see the Fingers, right, uh, a long time because I was a bit, like, a bit younger than us. And he um, <clears throat> he uh, used to play in the pit for uh, orchestral uh, shows and uh, uh, West End musicals, things like that mainly. West End musicals. Um, and um, I remember saying to him when they were doing the tour for Rocky Horror Show, well, uh, how much rehearsal have you had? He said, oh, well, same as normal. So I said, what's that? He said, well, we just get together and we play through the show. And I think, well, Blimey. this is really serious talent. Uh, anyway, he's a good guitarist. We had him um, and uh, Eric sang that. Not Eric, Billy B. Billy he B. That. and And uh, we had uh, Dick, our drummer, playing on that as well. Um, so uh, I quite enjoyed that. Although uh, Chris... Uh, stock. I asked him to do something like that. He said, "Oh, I don't want to play like this because it's a bit cruel." But <laughs> I, th- I think that was a bit oversensitive, actually. Yeah. Um, but so with that, um, I wrote the words first. And with um, "Circus with the Female Clown," which is another one which keeps turning up, '67, I, it mm-hmm. was recorded. I wrote the words first. With "Wade in the Shade," we all wrote the words as we were going along. Yeah. So I'm 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 not um, a prolific songwriter. I haven't written songs since between 67 and now I've written one Okay, um, well, but, but, um, <laughs> but you have written five books to be fair so you've, you've, written,
0: you've written five books yeah. so there's plenty Billy, of work Billy yet.
1: B um, has written lots of songs yeah. he's, he's, he's written hundreds of songs and he's, he's the one for strange chord progressions mm. and he, he admits that he's a singer not a guitarist, he puts chords in, he plays with his band or records with his band called The Wise Men who've done some very good stuff and they recorded in the sixties as well, and uh, his bass player was a good jazz bass player. Said to him one day, well, "What's that chord you're playing?" And he said, well, "I'm playing this." And he said, what's, "What notes have you got in there?" And and he said, "These." And Bernie said to him, "That's not a proper chord." He said, "It must be because I'm playing." It. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you keep him anyway. You keep
0: him busy with the management. So the next question is: Is there anything left for you to tick off that you haven't done yet? Anything that you if you'd like to, maybe a, a trio or playing a particular style or something you'd like to Do you know, dip your I, toe into, maybe?
1: I don't think so. I think, I think I've just been so lucky to play lots of different styles. Um, the, the stuff we're doing now suits me down to the ground. It's the stuff that I like best. And the mm. thing is, if you think of the 50s, 60s and 70s, there's a huge pool of really good songs. Yeah. There's stuff that's not quite so good, you know, as well. But um, but if you choose carefully, there's really good stuff. And whenever we think, "Well, what are we going to learn?" And we get a whole bunch of really good stuff. Yeah. And we leave some out or stick it down on the hit list for later. Doesn't mean to say we won't do it, but it's difficult to choose what to leave out. Yeah, in the and I agree. Yeah, yeah, you have that. that. Bob's very good at that. You know, we we say, "Well, these are the sets," but. On this gig, we can do a slightly different length of time. And Bob just says, right, well, this, 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 this. this." He's yeah. very decisive. And because set lifts are very subjective, we don't really argue. We say, fine, we'll do that. You know, And the mm. thing is, you soon find out a set lift's working. You will know?
0: work. Yeah, you can normally find it. You've got a particular song, and you think, we can replace it with that, and you'll get the same vibe, the same yeah. reaction. It won't really change.
1: And also, the thing is, as you say, if you want to keep them on the floor, for example, you might say, well, let's do two or three rock and roll numbers in. And then... And then do something slow, yeah. Because we don't want to lose them, yeah. Uh, and we want them to have a rest. Um, so it's that kind of thing. And you need to actually not change the tempo too much, yeah. Lefty always used to say, <clears throat> we need mainly fast songs that people can dance to, mm. and some interesting ballads. Mm. And he's probably right, really. Yeah, and he said He also said, you know, if you're playing in the kind of places we're playing, it needs to be songs that people know. Yeah, of course having said that we 've been playing always there that 's the kind of reggae influence thing that Billy mm. B wrote, which they like and people love a caravan to, on Canvey Island mm. and they sing it you know he gets them singing it you
0: well, so, break the fourth wall if you invite the audience into your world to a certain extent it's the it 's the band that 's important, not always the songs. If you can kind of get that um, just just inviting them into your world, then they feel like you can play anything really, and they well, to be the all ones, right. With we it. wouldn't be playing,
1: would we? So no, that's it, isn't we, it? We might be. I mean, there are all these bands uh, that just rehearse. Hmm. You know, and you think, well, it's not the same. I I I, I don't mind rehearsing. Hmm. I always enjoy rehearsing anyway, and I think it gives you the chance maybe to try a little lick that or a riff that you're not sure of. If it's going to work or not, and sometimes mm. you play it and you think, oh yeah, that sits nicely. Sometimes you might just think, what do you think of that, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. No, I like what you're doing before. You know, so you you do bounce ideas off yeah. each other. Yeah, and you're know?
0: working. If you're working in rehearsal, you're trying stuff out. But the, as you said earlier, if you're rehearsing with people, you're just going. To, you need to run it through because they haven't rehearsed it. Yeah. Then that's different. If you you all know the songs, but you say, I well, just need to play through, and then things happen in that. You know, in that rehearsal, yeah. Final question champagne moment. What's your what, what would you say is your proudest moment musically?
1: Well, it's very difficult. Um, that's very difficult because there's been lots. Um, I think I, I really enjoyed the beat, beat, beat show that we did with the fingers because it was different, you know, mm. different country first time i would ever been on television playing with lots of other well-known people like the tremolos and people mm. like that you know it was, it was it was good that was a good good experience um and then in in legend probably you know when when the red boot came out and people said wow we like this you know it's really um because we we spent quite some time on it and by the time we would finished we thought Oh, I'm getting fed up with this really is that really what we were, should we have changed this or should mm. we have changed that and all of a sudden people said this is great you know so that, that's a nice thing to have
0: I suppose you're not sure when you when you win those four walls how it's going to sound no. how people are going to take to it you just know you're trying to
1: and the other recent thing is when uh, <clears throat> Chris and uh, Jerry and uh, Vic left I thought oh, we had a really good band here what's mm. going to happen now is the band going to fold up you know, and we, as I said, you know, we approached Paul because he wasn't working with um, uh, the Boomers at that time. Yeah. He said, oh, "Yeah, I'd love to do that." And he suggested Bob, and I said, "Well, I'll ring Bob." And then before before I knew it, Bob had rang me, and I thought, "We got a band." You know, yes. and we got together, and uh, you know, we, we, uh, <clears throat> particularly when we started playing with Dick. Yeah, very very good drummer, really nice and fancy, lovely for bass player to put with a good Oh drummer. yeah. Um, so that. That's a champagne moment in itself, really. You know, you think maybe the band's finished. Mm. You know, and then you think, well, oh, it isn't. It's just different. Right? Yeah,
0: and it never gets old, that feeling, no. when you, somebody comes in and you play together for the first time and you think, yeah, it, it sounds yeah. kind of how you want it to sound.
1: And Paul, uh, Paul loves blues music best. But he's such a good guitarist, he can play any style convincingly. Which is a, a big talent. I hate people like that. that can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big talent. And also, I, I think a, um, a friend uh, on Facebook said, well, he said, should be more original stuff. And I said, well, yes, that's a different skill. Playing mm. decent covers, you've got to do it properly. Yeah. And there are some things you just can't change at all. I mean, he, if you changed Apache or White Shade of Pale, people would say they've done that wrong. Yeah. You can change things in Minor ways that you know about, yeah, and, uh, you know, change the harmonies or of course. extra harmony or something like that. Um, with your own stuff, you can do things. Um, but I said to him, You've got to bear in mind also, this is how we get our work by playing hmm. what we call music from the golden as New long as you're pop. playing,
0: as long as you're playing every, every, well, sorry every weekend or two or three nights a weekend and you're taking pleasure from it and you're enjoying it at this particular stage of your career, yeah.
1: What well, is it? I, there d- I did, really didn't that? think I'd be playing it Twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. No, still, you still—you look good on
0: it, though. To be fair, um, John, it's been such a pleasure to meet you. It's been a real pleasure to talk Ed about you. your I've career. It, We've you probably know. only really scratched the surface. So, well,
1: I, 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 I said to you before we started this that I always feel that I'd be more comfortable if I was playing a bass than than talking to somebody in a podcast and that's, or a radio that's
0: show. A, have you ever done a vocal and had to hold your bass while you were while you were doing the vocal in the studio because you felt naked without your bass?
1: Uh, no, no, but I made the mistake of doing karaoke one night. Oh. I was in Corfu with some friends, <coughs> and my mate Dave said, um, You're going to get up and sing? I said, No. And I went up and talked to the guy who was uh, in the first set, he'd playing into backing tracks. Good singer, um, obviously home recorded backing yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah. And um, I spoke to him, and he said, oh, are you a musician then? So I, yes, I, I played bass, and we had a little chat. What's your name? I told him so he then said, he said, John Bobin's going to come up and sing. I said, well, no, I'm not. And, and Dave said, my big Davey he said, uh, if you get up and do something, I'll sing Bat Out of Hell. <laughs> and I thought, does he realise that that's not that easy, really? <laughs> that's worth, it's worth it just for that. And <laughs> uh, and uh, I said, well, if you definitely do that, I'll do that. So I got up and uh, and I, I said, oh, I feel naked without a guitar. And he said, well, yeah, well there's a guitar. So what are you going to do? So I, I said, all right, I'll do Lying Eyes. So I played rhythm and saying lying eyes that's the last time that's the first and last time i would ever do karaoke and that's my non-champagne moment (laughs) particularly when i came off stage and said dave up you get he said i only said that to get you up there
0: (laughs) rotten that's rotten isn't it i could talk to you all day john um i wish you all the best with the management i wish you all the best with your career
1: I wish you all the best.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I wish you all the best with your with your books. And I I I am about twenty two pages into Barkstave and Ronkers. It gets much worse. It does. It is it all downhill from there. (laughs) Um, But uh, most of all, thanks for giving me your time. and I hope you've enjoyed the experience thank you for listening in thanks to everybody that supports the show Um, that's it for this year have a wonderful wonderful Christmas and I'll be back in January um, to celebrate some more grassroots music and talk to some more grassroots legends www.innovationstudios.com you can send me an email at UK at gmail and all the other showbiz stuff as well you can find me on Instagram and all of that stuff look that's enough for me yours in music signing off Bye-bye for now.